0: see themselves as special, a chosen people, with a mission for the world. Just as the Jews, America believes it embodies eternal values of absolute good that we seek to spread to others. The same cultural, religious, and national identity that has maintained the Jews as a separate people for thousands of years is now being championed by America as the world moves hesitantly toward global values and global rules. We use different terms, the rule of law, not Torah, freedom, not God, republic, not nation. But the absolute and transcendent nature of the concepts underpinning the American way of life are obvious and present a constant challenge to other peoples with competing and less successful ideologies. If you hate the Jews, you must also hate America. Such is the simple logic of the anti-Semite when facing a complex world. Such increasingly is the logic of the Middle East. It is a message that is reinforced day in and day out by the official Arab media. In an infamous fatwa issued in February 1998, Osama bin Laden called on Muslims to kill Christians and Jews throughout the world, not just military personnel, but civilians, because we have seized and occupied Arab land. Our treachery, bin Laden claims, started with the Christian conquest of Andalusia, from the Muslim Caliphs in the 13th century. On state-sponsored Al Jazeera television, portrayed complacently as the CNN of the Arab world by mainstream media organizations in the United States and Europe, Bin Laden, and Muslim preachers who openly sympathize with him, spread their message to the Arab masses and intellectual elites. Murdered Americans are not victims, but oppressors, who are the legitimate targets of holy war, they argue. Those who die while killing us are blessed of Allah. For as long as they are physically capable, Bin Laden and his followers will strike at America. To their mind, September 11th was just an opening act. Today's hatred of America and of Western values is an ancient story that is little different from the virus that has erupted periodically into anti-Semitic pogroms in Europe and resulted in the Holocaust. In one sense... The terrorists and their enablers in government and in the mosque are looking for someone to blame, a scapegoat. The Arab world shines for its lack of democracy, its political systems based on arbitrary rule, and the abject corruption of its leaders. Many young Arabs see nothing in their societies that appeals to their sense of pride other than the dreams of a glorious past. Increasingly, That past is being rewritten by the leaders and their proxies to openly anti-Semitic themes, including revisionist interpretations of the Koran and allegations of Jewish plots, to focus the attention of their people elsewhere than on their own failure. Arab leaders have failed to transform their fabulous oil wealth into real power or build any lasting monument to civilization, but when they look around to ascribe blame, they can find only the Jews. But there is much more at the heart of this than just scapegoating. If the Muslim world were just seeking a scapegoat, then economic development and education should be sufficient to conquer hate. Yet in many Arab societies and in Iran, it was precisely when they were awash in petrodollars and their societies yearning westward that the anti-American and anti-Jewish virus erupted in full force. It was precisely to prevent that westward yearning for which the Iranians invented a special term, Garb Azadegi, meaning besotted by the West. But Ayatollah Khomeini and his acolytes exhorted young Iranians to hate, identifying America as the Great Satan and Israel as the Little Satan. Similarly, to prevent young Saudis who had grown up spoiled on oil from turning westward, the Saudi government poured billions of dollars into the anti-Soviet crusade in Afghanistan in the 1980s, and shipped radical mullahs to Pakistan, where they built a vast network of religious schools steeped in anti-Semitic beliefs that have spawned the anti-American, anti-Western jihadis who are faithful to Bin Laden and his cause. Scapegoating, Ignorance, Underdevelopment, Poverty All have been used as excuses for the visceral hatred of Jews and America now rampant throughout the Arab and Muslim world. Yet, just as with Nazi Germany, these explanations fall wide of the mark. It was not because of racism that Nazis hated Jews, but because of their hatred of Jews that the Nazis utilized racist arguments. The Jew hatred came first. It was, like all other forms of anti-Semitism, hatred of the challenges posed by Jews and Jewish values. With today's anti-Semites and anti-American fanatics, nothing has changed the hatred and the rejection of others come first. The rationale can always be indented later. In November 1997, I made one of my periodic trips to Gaza. It had already been four years since the signing of the Oslo Accords, which granted Palestinian autonomy, and brought Yasser Arafat and his PLO clique to Gaza to assume control. Yet during that time, little had changed— Despite hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid and international development assistance, the city streets still turned into rivers of mud whenever it rained, the beachfront was awash with sewage and trash, and the only new buildings that had gone up were government offices and villas, owned by the Palestinian Authority, P.A., officials. When I asked the owner of the hotel where I was staying why no one had ever thought to clean up the beach, he said, "'There is no money. The P.A. is broke.' We can do nothing because of the Israeli occupation. When I pointed out that the occupation had ended in Gaza four years ago, he just kept repeating that their lives were a misery because of the Jews. Preachers of Hate is not intended to replace the numerous works of scholarship or analysis on antisemitism. It is a layman's guide to the wave of anti-Jewish and anti-American hatred sweeping across the Arab world, Europe, and even America. But this book is also a journey of discovery by a reporter who thought he knew the Middle East well, as he comes to grips with hatred and bigotry, masquerading as the will of God. I felt it was essential to include my own impressions of the Arabs, Iranians, and Europeans I encountered and interviewed— to give a personal flavor to what otherwise could appear as a mind-numbing litany of racism, irrationality, and hate. From afar, the demented rhetoric that spews from the anti-Semitic mind appears almost surrealistic. Sixty years after the Holocaust, such thinking is inconceivable to most of us in the West. But from up close, where the intended victims are just around the corner, the words of many of the people quoted in this book are nothing less than than an incitation to murder. Preachers of Hate is aimed at helping Americans to understand why they, too, have become targets of hate, just as Jews have been for centuries. This is the very essence of the War on Terror. September 11th should have shown us that we can no longer ignore the Preachers of Hate and their rhetoric, nor can we continue to make excuses for their behavior based on supposed cultural differences, oppression, or hopelessness. We are not faced with a social problem which liberal policies and public money can solve. We are facing dedicated murderers. If we are to craft serious and effective policies to combat them, we must begin by recognizing the uncompromising depths of their hatred. The first step is to open our eyes, open our ears, and open our minds to understand what they are saying about us and about themselves. We have not a moment to lose. Chapter 1 The Jews Did It Foreigners often call us naive because as Americans we are brought up to revere the truth. Obvious falsehoods seem to us, well, obvious falsehoods, That is why it is going to be difficult for many readers in America to comprehend the lies that are told and believed around the world about America and about the Jews. You want to shake your head in disbelief, just as I did when Rabbi Abraham Cooper suggested that I ask Arab Muslim clerics about the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Is it truly possible that educated individuals, people who have access to the international media, television, and the Internet, can believe such outright lies? If they can, what will ever convince them to recognize the truth when they see it? Within days of September 11th, a myth was born that spread so quickly and tapped sources of belief so deeply rooted into the consciousness of ordinary citizens that today it has become an established fact throughout the Muslim world. There were no Arabs on board the four aircraft that were hijacked and crashed as weapons killing more than 3,000 people on September 11th. Nor was Osama bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda network even remotely involved. The entire attack was planned, orchestrated, and carried out by the Jews as part of their ongoing conspiracy to dominate the world. More than one year later, Egyptian strategist Abdel-Munaym the head of Egypt's leading think tank, marveled at the complete state of denial that had gripped the Arab world in the face of massive and compelling evidence about the perpetrators of September 11th. The flights of fancy, the accusations against the Jews, were indicative of faces that cannot look themselves in the mirror, of minds that are aloof to logic, of hearts incapable of confronting the facts, he wrote. But this is not all that 11 September exposed. In the West Bank town of Nablus, on September 11, 2001, several thousand people poured into the streets shortly after news of the attacks on America was broadcast on Palestinian state radio. Demonstrators distributed candy in a traditional gesture of celebration, Associated Press reporter Mohammed Daragma noted. Daragma captured a poignant moment in what appeared to be a spontaneous outpouring of anti-American hate. Nawal Abdel Fattah, forty-eight, wearing a long black dress, threw sweets in the air, saying she was happy, because America is the head of the snake. America always stands by Israel in its war against us. Her daughter Maysoon, twenty-two, said she hoped the next attack would be launched against Tel Aviv. Smaller demonstrations took place later that afternoon and early evening in the Arab quarters of Jerusalem, where young children were led in chanting anti-American slogans by adults. Some drivers passing the scene honked their horns and flashed victory signs from their windows. At the Ain al refugee camp in the southern Lebanese port city of Sidon, an Associated Press photographer snapped pictures of Palestine Liberation Organization (PLO) fighters celebrating by firing assault rifles into the air when news of the attacks on America was broadcast. In one sense, The attacks were not good because innocent people suffered," said Ahmed Ali, 40, a Palestinian cook who worked in a restaurant in East Jerusalem. But it's good because America is the only country that supports the Israeli oppression. They are right now suffering as we are suffering. I tell you on behalf of the Palestinian people that we are really happy at what happened. Arabs living in the West expressed similar comprehension of the attacks and the motives of the attackers. In the Washington, D.C. suburb of Fairfax, Virginia, public school officials ordered high school students to return home by noontime on the day of the attacks. They closed the schools not out of fear of a terrorist attack, but because Muslim students were shouting for joy, said David Keene, president of the American Conservative Union. Keen told the story at a highly charged session of conservative activist Grover Norquist's weekly coalitions meetings in Washington the next day. Norquist, whose Islamic Institute had hired as executive director a former lobbyist for the pro-Hamas American Muslim Council, AMC, sat stony-faced as friends of Barbara Olson, the wife of U.S. Solicitor General Ted Olson, told the story of Barbara's final moments on board American Airlines Flight 77 before terrorist Hani Hanjur crashed it into the Pentagon. We sympathize with you, but you've got to understand, pleaded one of Norquist's associates from the Islamic Institute, in an effort to explain why some American Muslim groups weren't cooperating with the FBI. Our people are afraid of getting scapegoated. No, you've got to understand, thundered the normally soft-spoken Keen. Thousands of Americans have just been murdered and your people were cheering when they heard the news. Rasha Abu Ramadan, an executive member of the Palestinian Student Committee at the University of Ottawa, told a reporter that Palestinians in Canada welcomed the attacks because it helped make people realize what Palestinians were suffering at the hands of the Israelis. So many of our children die every day, and it is the United States, it is Israel, that are the ones implementing all these bombings, and all these things that happened to us, she said. In Cairo, grocery store owner Izat Hassan Ali told a reporter he felt pleasure at the thought of Americans dying. As they did to other people, it is happening to them now. They hit innocent people in Afghanistan and Iraq, and now...